Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. I'm Sarah Fenton in for Wayne Pratt. It's Friday the 13th of November. Ahead, the coronavirus pandemic has made it difficult for small farmers to find places to butcher their meat. We have been told that the earliest processing date for us is spring of 2022. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports on Missouri's attempts to break the logjam by helping small meat packing operations increase capacity. That's coming up soon, but first, these headlines. Missouri Governor Mike Parson announced yesterday he'll loosen quarantine recommendations for K-12 schools. St. Louis Public Radio's Statehouse reporter Jacqueline Driscoll has more on the changes. Any student or teacher who came in contact with someone testing positive for coronavirus no longer needs to quarantine as long as all parties were wearing masks, Parson says. As long as they do not begin to show symptoms, those close contacts may continue to attend school in person. Previously, staff and students would quarantine for 14 days, and that's still what the CDC suggests. But Education Commissioner Margie Van Dieven says it's unsustainable, and data suggests this is a safe option. The Missouri National Education Association called the decision dangerous and indefensible. In Jefferson City, I'm Jacqueline Driscoll, St. Louis Public Radio. A spokesman from St. Louis County says County Executive Sam Page this morning will announce further measures to limit the spread of the coronavirus. Page said earlier this week that the government will need to take action if cases and hospitalizations continue to rise. He didn't say what those new restrictions would be. An average of more than 600 county residents are testing positive for the virus each day. Area hospitals say they're at a 90 percent capacity and are close to being overwhelmed with patients. Page and St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruzen have said they plan to create a coordinated response to the rising cases. Last night, Cruzen announced that starting Saturday, gatherings of 10 or more people are prohibited within city limits until further notice. Another coronavirus news. After weeks of troubling new data surrounding the coronavirus, the St. Louis region has passed a sobering threshold. 2,000 people in the metropolitan area have died from the virus since March. Dr. Madi Shachwayo Davis is an infectious disease expert at Washington University. She says the numbers right now do not paint an encouraging picture as the region faces an exponential rise in cases. The only positive, at least for me, is that we have experience, um, unlike, you know, the sort of newness that we were dealing with in April. But unfortunately, from an epidemiologic standpoint, these numbers are not good. They're not reassuring. She added that for the winter, the same precautions remain critical, hand washing, mask wearing and social distancing. Finally, two more St. Louis County police officers have sued the department alleging racial discrimination. Five on Your Side reports Lieutenant Ray Rice and Lieutenant James Morgan, both black men, alleged department leadership did not follow its usual procedures for transfers among units. They say that led to white commanders, often with less seniority, receiving prestigious positions that should have gone to them instead. They are the second and third officers to file racial discrimination lawsuits against the department this year. Both men are on the executive board of the Ethical Society of Police, which advocates for officers of color. 
The suit says they routinely raised issues of systemic racism with their previous chief, John Belmer. The coronavirus pandemic has wreaked havoc on the meat industry, with some slaughterhouses and processing plants temporarily closing down earlier this year. Missouri is using federal COVID stimulus money to help small meat processors increase capacity. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports those plans are off to a slow start. Larkin Busby is the L in DL Farms. She and her husband grow vegetables and raise beef, pork, and chicken on their 168-acre organic farm 90 miles southwest of St. Louis. Busby says after the coronavirus spread to the area, she got bad news from her meat processors. We have been told that the earliest processing date for us is spring of 2022. Busby says she had to scramble to find a patchwork of processors who were willing to do the minimum necessary for her farm to stay afloat. This is a common story in the Midwest for small processors, the ones that employ 50 or fewer people. Even after the big plants reopened, the backlog on small operations was still there. States like Missouri and Oklahoma are trying to help. A combination of state and federal efforts have led to millions of dollars being granted to very small meat processors, helping them add machines, space, and people. Jennifer Lutz is a community engagement specialist with the University of Missouri Extension. She says small processors are excited about the opportunity. They are all hoping to expand capacity, and that is their goal. And so we kind of have to get this equipment in and see how much things change. But that process is slow. The grant programs are reimbursements, so the processors have to front the money for expansion. That means very small businesses with little capital are taking out loans and applying for grants. Scott Long is one of the processors who took the federal money. He owns Kabul Country Meats, a 10-employee operation in south-central Missouri. He says he's ready to add capacity, but can't find anyone to take the four jobs the new equipment created. But we've had some that's quit, too. It wasn't their cup of tea. Slaughtering or processing beef is not something for everybody, as you can imagine. It takes a special type of individual to do that. Long also says what he calls generous unemployment benefits discourages people from taking the jobs that start at $10 an hour but go as high as 16 Advocates for rural areas and small meat processing businesses say pay, training, and education are the biggest hurdles to filling these jobs. Megan Filbert works for Practical Farmers of Iowa, an advocacy group, and also raises sheep on her farm. She says the real hang-up in the labor market is the image of butchers as a profession. Universities and community colleges should offer artisanal butchery courses, which we're seeing some of that, but open that up to not just students, like college-age students, but the general public. Filbert says better local butchers will mean better local meat, which will lead to a more thriving small processing industry. But she also says that will take time. Filbert says the effort would be more successful if small meat processors had a few years to increase capacity. The government is pushing for the changes in a few months because of COVID concerns. All of this effort to improve the capacity for small processors probably won't have much effect on meat prices and supply. Pat Westoff is an agricultural economist with the University of Missouri. He says even with expanded capacities, small processors are, well, still small. There's only so much they can do right now, so until you have a lot more of them, which isn't, doesn't seem to be in the cards right now. Uh, there's not much that's going to change in the near term. 
because they were still relying on the big packing plants to, to get things done. While that was the impetus for some of the grant programs, it may not be the real goal or outcome. Jennifer Lutz with Missouri Extension says the COVID-fueled high prices and meat shortage got people to think differently about meat. But also it has encouraged consumers to go out and seek local sources that they may or may not have been aware of previously. And Lutz says if COVID and the grant programs create a more vibrant local meat processing industry, that will be good for rural communities, farmers, and the food supply chain as a whole. In Rala, I'm Jonathan All. St. Louis Public Radio. Fred Ehrlich was the editor of that piece. The executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio is Shula Newman, and our music is by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. You can read more about these stories and more on our website, stlpublicradio.org. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.